David Williams, who is with newsroom.co.nz and is based in Christchurch. Now, as I said, I was thinking April Fool's joke. I was looking around for what the distraction uh, required was. Is there seriously an interest in hosting the 2030 Commonwealth Games in Christchurch, David? Good morning. Kia ora. Apparently so. You might have dismissed this as silly season fodder if the ramifications for the people of Christchurch weren't so serious. Yes, Mayor Phil Major called for a report uh, by council staff and the Economic Development Agency Christchurch NZ on the the viability of hosting the Commonwealth Games 2030. That's right, the Games rejected by Victorian Australia, Alberta, Canada because of escalating costs. Now, the council could be accused of sending mixed messages, couldn't it? Because uh, at the same time as it embarks on a potentially bankrupting vanity project, Major's council has been complaining about drowning in debt. Uh, and that's about $2 billion for the council itself and another $2 billion for the asset holding company CCHL. Um, and it's made serious noises about selling the city's assets, like the lines company, the port company and even the airport, which is part owned by the government. The council is in such poor shape financially, the mayor used... Words of something about effluent in a creek that the city needed to make hard decisions to avoid huge rate rises. The one on the table at the moment is roughly 15%, we were told. Things that might need to be cut, like the opening hours for swimming pools or libraries, which you would think many in the community would be against. Uh, yet somehow, where larger cities have failed, uh, states and provinces have walked away from the Commonwealth Games. Christchurch is going to step in, apparently, and save a sporting event which seems to be struggling for relevance and hosts. Um, now, this could be, uh, the mayor argues, uh, the perfect signal to the world that the city damaged by the earthquakes is open for business, which was the same justification for hosting SailGP, the international sailing race. Um, so, yeah, last week it came to a head in the council chamber and it appeared from the questions to the mayor that uh, some of the councillors thought this was a slightly left-field proposal. It had been raised on the campaign trail and when Victoria worked, uh, walked away, um, there were... Uh, arguments made again that Christchurch could step in. Uh, so in the council chamber, uh, initially the motion was was fixed on 2030, but it was noted the New Zealand Olympic Committee was working on a bid for 2034, so 2034 was added to the motion. There's also a bit of irony uh, in that at the in the long-term plan that's being considered at the moment, there's a proposal to cut Christchurch's funding to bid for events. How is it? Councillors asked that a a suggested report on the economic costs of climate change and adaptation might be knocked back because it would defer other work, other more important work, presumably. Uh, But the doors are open for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, Christchurch people, like people up and down the country, have been struggling to pay their bills. Rates are going up, yet apparently the council was considering a huge financially risky sporting endeavour. Let's remember that the last host, Birmingham, their council, is now effectively bankrupt, not solely because of the Games. Um, so, yes, it was Councillor Tyrone Fields who said, before we even did this, wouldn't we want a firm commitment from the government of something in the order of $2 billion to start even thinking about it? And, or, and, and another argument was, why call for a report when the outcome is already known? Uh, there were positive arguments, of course. Uh, Councillor Kelly Barber suggested that the city be aspirational Instead of shutting things down at the first sign of a little bit of fear and opposition, there was the prospect of greatly improved infrastructure thrown into the debate. And uh, it was Sam MacDonald, one of the last councillors to speak, who said, I think actually the mayor is the mayor. If he wants to call for a report from an organisation with nearly 3,000 staff, that's the council, uh, he's entitled to do that. He's elected at large across the city. 
and I back him in doing that. And so did the majority of councillors. The resolution passed 10 votes to 7, and the report is due in August. Look, what's going on? You've got a stadium that's still not complete, that's costs keep going up and up, and the council's voting on having to uh, having to get that finished. Part of me, my brain was hearing off of directions going, is this a way to get some more infrastructure part funded by the government? But wherever you look, when these events are held, by and large, they leave an enormous bill behind them. Um, and yes, sometimes valuable infrastructure and sometimes not. What's going on? Well, I think there was some admission that Christchurch wouldn't be the sole host. So while Christchurch might be a host or the host, uh, nominally uh, other parts of the country would chip in. The velodrome in Invercargill was especially mentioned um, the uh, the the uh, racing for rowing the rowing lake in uh, in the North Island, another place. So it might be a New Zealand wide thing, but you're right. Um, it is a curious thing, and and people who uh, have followed the stadium debate will know that the the government already chipped in two hundred million dollars. Um, it is also helping to deliver, or it is actually uh, overseeing the Metro Sports Centre, which is the big swimming complex. I think it would be a hard argument, especially with this new government, to say that the government should chip in more money. The government has chipped in an enormous amount of money to help uh, Christchurch recover from the earthquakes with big, uh, iconic projects such as the stadium and the Metro Sports Centre. I think it would be a hard ask to twist their arm to uh, give even more. Okay. Let's have a look at uh, this Christchurch. I've been reading this with interest for some time. The Christchurch philanthropists who've been really pushing hard on trying to get the wage subsidy repaid. Why is it such an issue for them in the first instance? And second, what's happened? Well, um, the Gamma Foundation, this is philanthropist Grant and Marilyn Nelson. They've basically staked a lot of their time and money uh, in public interest uh, projects, if you like, they've um, they've funded some schemes uh, in the universities, uh, and basically pointing at public integrity. So they created something called the Integrity Institute. They'd taken well more than a passing interest in what the wage subsidy scheme, how that was run, and how that was managed afterwards in terms of uh, the the kind of clawback of of money that was given out unnecessarily or claimed fraudulently. So yes, they created this Integrity Institute, and all these ads popped up. And uh, on the court side of things, they, they took actually the Ministry of Social Development to court, alleging that they had a, an unlawful approach to getting the scheme's money back. Um, the, the court rejected that last year. The Advertising Standards Authority took a dim view of some of the claims in the ads, uh, about $10 billion that was uh, paid out fraudulently. And, and the MSD, it's been doing uh, a lot of work, actually. Uh, 39 people have appeared in the courts uh, on charges of abusing the scheme. Some have been jailed. Uh, but questions remain about the efficacy of checks. Now, uh, we wrote a story saying that uh, one of the many reviews of the scheme by Deloitte uh, and the Deloitte report, a review of reviews, if you like, how MSD had gone about implementing recommendations from other reports, and it made several of its own recommendations, including several aimed at strengthening the existing scheme. Uh, but according to an MSD memo, this is uh, last year, uh, it was released to us under the Official Information Act, none of those recommendations were acted on due to operational challenges identified in the report. Now, tossed out by the courts, but um, Grant Nelson of Gamma said that Deloitte 
the Deloitte report only dealt with what the MSD wanted anyway, uh, and not following up the recommendations ignores billions of dollars that could have been recovered. His argument is 800-odd million dollars of the scheme's money has been repaid, most of it, almost all of it, voluntarily, but he suggested much more could have been repaid if they had have pushed a little harder. So that's well, the argument there. All right. Not long left to, play, to pay tribute to a true character that you want to do. Tell me about uh, Brian Clemens. Yeah, so... January, it's a bit of a news desert, isn't it? Um, the news outlets turn to breaking news often rather than you know, the business of government or local government or the courts. Uh, but sometimes there's a real gem that appears, and in my view, one of those was about a guy called Brian Clements, who's a former reporter at Christchurch Paper, The Press, from the 60s to the 90s, who died in May last year. Now, his big love was the outdoors. He lived, we're told, a fit, frugal and environmentally conscious lifestyle. He'd been a member of Forest and Bird since 2009. He didn't have any kids and he had envisaged donating his decades of savings to the organisation. Now, the press revealed this month that he gave Forest and Bird its largest ever bequest, which was $3 million, uh, which boosted its average annual income by more than a quarter. Um, so that that money, um, incredibly humbling, the conservation organisation said, would go towards a national scale predator free uh, project. So what kind of bloke was he? Uh, veteran press reporter Martin Van Bainen, a name well known as well in this town, uh, said he was a superb court reporter who would come in at the weekends to water the plants. He was a bit shy though. And a bit hard to get to know, and he would walk up the Port Hills daily and collect cans and bottles as he went and take them home for recycling. And in his retirement, he planned to become a volunteer trapper, but he uh, was that was that plan was thwarted by ill health. And it's just a, it's one of those things, isn't it, that um, uh, someone lives so abstemiously, they they pledge their life's wealth <clears throat> to environmental cause. And what a great tribute to Brian, who by all accounts would have winced at becoming such a prominent news story. Uh, and it shows that the power of the the community-minded individual, that they can make a difference and, you know, when the time of armed conflict and conflict around the world and mental distress in unequal societies, it just really restores your faith in humanity to read such a story of selflessness. That too, but also just a really interestingly lived life. And, and it's funny how often, and too often, we still default to equating uh, a successful, rich life involving having to have money or things or those kinds of measures. This is by any measure was it was a richly lived life, but as you say, the, the, the dollars weren't needed for it. They're they're going to a charity. Well, and a, a quirky guy who uh, a lot of people knew, but not well perhaps. And 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 this is his legacy. It's just wonderful. David, thank you. David Williams is based in Christchurch, South Island reporter for Newsrooms, newsroom.co.nz.